Good morning. Good morning. My name is Jonathan Walker. Uh, I serve on staff here. I lead our college ministry called College Group, and I'm also in my final semester at Covenant Seminary, and it is great to be here with you this morning. Uh, I wanted to express special thanks for all of your generous support for the college ministry over the years. We're so thankful uh, for your giving, and it makes it possible. Um, So thankful to have you all here. Uh, This last Monday, College Group, we had one of our larger events. We celebrated Friendsgiving, And we got together, and we cooked a lot of food, and we covered it all in gravy, a lot of gravy, and we ate it, and it was wonderful. And I hope you've had a similar experience sometime in the last week where you've got together for Thanksgiving uh, to celebrate the holiday and to eat gravy and mashed potatoes. I hope it's been good. I hope it's been good. Um, You know what this finally means? This, This means, Thanksgiving is here. This means that for those of you who love to listen to Christmas music all year long, Like, you finally can listen to it publicly without everyone's condemnation and judgment. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. The the holiday season is here. Thanksgiving is here. Uh, The the weather is changing. Um, It's getting colder, and it's crisp, and the sights and smells of the holiday season are here. And for some of you, the holiday season is surely the most wonderful time of the year right? You, you love getting together with family and sipping on hot chocolate, and you love the family gatherings and the food, and it's just a wonderful time. It's a wonderful season, and Thanksgiving is a great holiday. Uh, maybe it's your Thanksgiving is filled with quiet rest and thankfulness. However, for, for some of us here this morning, uh, Thanksgiving or the holidays may not carry the same charm. Maybe you just don't like the cold weather. You just, you just don't like the cold weather. Maybe uh, you're already tired of eating Thanksgiving leftovers. Maybe that's starting too much. You're done, you're done with it. Maybe, though, maybe the holidays are just hard because being together with your family was difficult and there was a lot of conflict and tension. Or maybe, maybe you celebrated Thanksgiving uh, and you didn't have a lot of friends or family nearby and it was hard to, to be alone through the holiday. Maybe uh, it's, it's just been difficult with with your family and tension, and there's been anxiety, rather than laughter and thankfulness. Or maybe Thanksgiving was hard for you because you've lost a loved one this last year. Uh, Maybe you had an empty seat at the table just staring at you, reminding you of who you've lost this last year, and it's made Thanksgiving and the holidays really difficult. To be honest, that is where I'm at this morning. Uh, In the last year and a half, three of my grandparents have all passed away, Uh, Last January, two of them passed away within 12 days of each other. And on September 28th, just two months ago, uh, I got a phone call from my stepmother that my dad was in the hospital, that he was in the emergency room. Uh, And he had some pain in his leg. We thought something was wrong. And so he was in the emergency room, and I received a phone call that night uh, that my father had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. And... um, and it, the, the prognosis was not good. And so the holidays have been hard. And um, two months ago, he was playing tennis. He was going to work. Life was going on as normal. And he died last week. He, he died 47 days after his diagnosis. Not, not even seven weeks. Um, the holidays have been a time of deep pain for me and for my wife and our family. It, it hasn't been a time of thankfulness. It's been hard. It's been an experience of what our passage this morning calls the valley of the shadow of death. My father was a Christian, and he's with the Lord right now, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm sure he'd want me to share this morning, but the holidays have just been difficult. 
it's been hard. And for many of you, maybe your experience is really not all that different than me. Maybe you've lost a job, maybe you've lost loved ones, maybe you're experiencing a lot of financial devastation, maybe your life is hard too and you also feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death. All of us have this experience at some point and we feel overwhelmed by the pain and the suffering and the struggle that goes on in our lives. It's overwhelming and we need God to step in to meet us where we are at and to provide and to protect and to meet us in these moments of of brokenness. So this morning we're going to take a break from our study through the Gospel of Mark and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to a very famous passage in the Bible. It's Psalm 23. It's on page 392 in the Pew Bible. Also, I have it on the YouVersion Bible app if you want to pull it up there, and I have an outline for you. And this is a song that's written by King David. It's a psalm of trust, a psalm of confidence. It's a psalm that's written to remind us of who the Lord is, of his character, and to invite each of us, wherever we're at, to place our trust in the Lord. And so, uh, I'm going to read, and will you guys follow along, um, and, and just think about the Lord and trusting in him. David writes in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Will you all pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, draw us close to you this morning. Meet meet us where we are at and open up our hearts to hear your word. And we ask that you guide our time this morning, Jesus. Amen. So this is one of the most well-known psalms in all of the Bible. Uh, It's very famous, and for good reason. It is such simplicity, it's short, it's concise. There's a lot of powerful imagery, emotional weight to it. It's it's a moving psalm. And it, it opens with this statement that the Lord is my shepherd. The first word is the Lord. In the last line of the psalm, in verse 6, David says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a psalm that begins and ends with the Lord. And it invites us each of us this morning, to place our trust in the Lord. That is my main idea for you this morning, to to place your trust in the Lord. And to trust in the Lord is not simply to acknowledge something uh, intellectually. It's not just a cognitive exercise. To place your trust in the Lord is, it's an act of your whole person, an act of trust with everything that you have to say, I have reliance and confidence in who God is, and I cast myself upon him. And so when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, How and why can you place your trust in the Lord? Why can you as a Christian say, I place my trust in the Lord? And Psalm 23 gives us two pictures, two images of the Lord and invites us to place our trust in him because the Lord is a shepherd and secondly, because the Lord is our friend. David invites us to trust the Lord as our shepherd and as our friend. Um, Turn with me first uh, to verse 1 as we talk about... uh, David's affirmation that the Lord is my shepherd. And this is one of the most powerful components of the psalm because the image of a shepherd, it's, uh, it is a lot of simplicity, it's easy to understand, but it has a lot of weight to it, to see the Lord as our shepherd. Now, um, 
the people of God have always been coming to the Lord as their shepherd. We see it all through the Bible and God inviting each of us to see ourselves as his flock and to place our trust in him. Now, shepherds. In the ancient world, they were very common. And really, until the last, the last 200 years, the last few hundred years, they really, shepherding was a common profession. And uh, in case you don't have your bachelor's degree in agriculture sciences with an emphasis on the herding of fuzzy and furry animals known as sheep, in case of that, I want, I want to unpack the metaphor a little bit for you. The image of the Lord as a shepherd, it's both strong and it's intimate. Both strong and intimate. God is not just an inanimate object. He's not just a rock and he's not just a fortress or a shield. He is a shepherd. He's a person. He walks with his sheep. He cares for his flock. He, he feeds them. He guides them. He's with them day and night, and he takes them down paths. He protects them. The Lord is a shepherd. But he's not just any shepherd. Look with me at verse 1. Uh, David encourages us to place, our, to place our trust in the Lord because he is a personal shepherd. So, uh, verse 1 says the Lord is a shepherd. No, it says the Lord is my shepherd. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is not just any shepherd. He is our shepherd. He is your shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is a personal shepherd. When I say that the Lord is personal and a personal shepherd, I mean two things. I mean that he is relational, that God uh, is engaged in relationships, both within himself and with us, and that God is also knowable. God is relational and knowable. He is personal. He's personal. And did you feel that tone through the psalm? It's all about him and me. He guides me. He walks with me. And then in verse 4, David shifts to say, you are with me. There's, there's just such a personal tone through the psalm. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. There's a personal connection. And I want to stop here just for a moment because what David is saying here, it's really, really big. It's really important for us. David is saying that the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, is personal. He's a personal being. He's knowable. He's relational. He, he's not just an impersonal force. He's real. And if I, some of you are here this morning, and if I asked you the question, do you have a personal relationship with God? Maybe you would say no. Maybe because you don't believe that God is real. You don't believe he exists. Either you look at the hardest stuff on the television, you see the brokenness in this world, or maybe the brokenness in your own life, and you just wonder, is God really real? Or maybe if he is, he's really not all that involved. He, he really isn't present. And, and if that's where you're at this morning, I, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. And maybe some of you are here this morning, and you would say, well, I do believe in a God. Maybe you even believe that the God of the Bible is the real God, and that Jesus is God in the flesh. Maybe you even believe these things, and yet for you, God still is distant. He's far away. He's impersonal. He's not engaged. And, and I want to invite you all just to think and to sit with this truth that God is personal. He's relational and knowable. And David is inviting us to just sit with that, to think about that. And the message of the whole Bible is that God is involved, that he's a personal God. He steps into our lives, into our stories, into the valleys, the shadow of darkness, and he is involved. He wants to set the world to rights, and he wants to draw us to himself. He wants to walk with you, to be your personal shepherd. And that, that's, that's just huge for us this morning as we look to the Lord as our shepherd. But he's not just a personal shepherd. He's also a shepherd who provides. 
he provides. Look with me, verse 1. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This means he's not going to be lacking anything that he needs. He leads him down green pastures beside quiet waters. Literally, the Hebrew phrase here is waters of rest. Waters of rest. These are calm, restful places, peaceful places. And the good shepherd knows and anticipates what his flock needs. He knows that they need that rest. He looks for these places to, to bring them there. And, and he's not just a hired hand, paid eight shekels an hour to make sure all the sheep are still there. And no, he's a shepherd, and he's a provider. Um, and he takes the sheep to the places where they will eat and find rest. And the Lord is inviting each of you this morning to see the Lord as a providing shepherd. And to be honest, this, this is not easy. This is not easy. Um, as I've watched my father decay and die over 47 days while he's on hospice, while, while he's passing away, I, I'm sitting here preparing this message, staring at Psalm 23, and it says, the Lord is a providing shepherd. It says it, but God, I don't see it. I don't see your provision right now. You know, my father's 56 years old, and he's dying, and, and, and he lived in St. Louis for decades, and eight months ago, you finally, he moved to Colorado, and you let him move, and now he's dying. And he's 830 miles away from me. Why, why would you let him do that? That's not fair, God. That's unfair. Where is your provision? You know, Psalm 23 says you're a provider, and where is it? I don't see it, God. Maybe you also have asked those questions. You felt that. You live with that tension. Where are you, God? And it's hard, but, but David is inviting us to see the Lord as a providing shepherd. And, and a friend came over after we found the news, out the news, and, and she brought over five meals for us. And the day after we uh, found out the news about my father's cancer, uh, we received a large amount of money off of our rent check from a referral we had made months before. And the exact amount that we needed to pay for the plane tickets was the exact amount we got off of our rent. And then... Many, many of you have prayed for us, and some of you have come in and given us gift cards to help provide food, and, and others uh, of, of you have just been walking with us through this, and family members have said, we want to help out. We want to help you get out there to spend time with your father. And, and I'm sitting on my couch many nights. I'm crying. I, I'm in pain. My father's dying, and he's gone now. And, and, and I'm sitting there crying, and my wife is crying there with me. She's sitting there holding my hands. And it's as if Jesus himself is holding my hands too, saying, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm here with you in the middle of this. And it's just a moment of quiet rest. It's a moment of provision in big ways and in small ways. And, and to be honest, our circumstances haven't really changed for the better. My father is gone. He, he's died. And he's with the Lord, and that's, that's great. I'm thankful for that. But I'm, I'm left just sitting with death, and it's just not right. Death is not the way it's supposed to be, and it's hard. And this psalm invites us in the midst of the brokenness to see that the Lord is a shepherd who provides for us. He's not just a hired hand who takes care of the sheep. He's not just a babysitter. He's a shepherd. He knows his flock. He provides for his flock. And do you trust in the Lord for his provision? When you're in the valley, do you trust in the Lord for his provision? That, do you believe that he'll actually come through for you? when you need it most. Some of you are looking for jobs. You need a job. You're, you're struggling with that. Maybe you need healing, maybe physical healing, maybe emotionally. You need the Lord 
to help. Maybe it's broken relationships. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death and you've lost a loved one. We need God to provide. And Psalm 23 invites us to trust and to see the Lord as a providing shepherd. And to trust in the Lord this way is simply to come to God in prayer and say, God, I need your help. This is my stuff. I I need you to meet me in the middle of this and provide for me. And, And we do this a lot of the time, and it's hard because then we don't have our prayers answered the way that we want, right? Circumstances are still hard, and there's unanswered prayer, and we're wondering, God, where are you? And this morning, I want to encourage you not just to pray to the Lord and say, God, I need you to provide, please help, but to also pray, Lord, help me to see your provision when it's here. Help me to, to encounter it, to have eyes to see and hear it when you, when you do provide. And that's what we need. We need the Lord to open our eyes to see his provision so that we can trust and grow closer to him. And trust is difficult. It's not easy. And David is not naive to this in this psalm. Perhaps the most famous line is verse 4, where David says that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's not ignorant to the struggle, to the pain, to the brokenness. He knows what it's like. And, and right here in the middle of the psalm, you know, everything leads to this point. Verse 4 is right in the middle. You have the statement about the Lord being with us even when we walk through the valley. Everything flows from this point. And right now, many of you feel like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. I feel like I'm walking through it right now. And it's hard because our culture tends to push people. It tends to push us through this process really fast to grieve quickly and to leave it behind you. Because it's uncomfortable, we sit in the valley and it's hard. We don't want that. We want to get out. Or maybe we try to numb our pain through addictions or unhealthy coping mechanisms. We try to make it through the darkness as fast as we can. And it's not something that we can run through. It's something that takes one step by step where the Lord is our shepherd who's personal, who provides for us and walks with us, not just through the green grasses and the quiet waters of rest, but through the valleys where there's shadows and deep darkness. It's, it's hard, but it's absolutely vital for us to recognize in these times that that's when we need to go to the Lord and to walk with him one step at a time. David is inviting us to trust, even in the valley, uh, also because the Lord is a shepherd who protects. And darkness and death, they're bad in and of themselves, right? But they, they invoke fear. The fear of losing a loved one, the fear of an upcoming test, the fear of financial devastation. And yet David somehow is able to write, I will fear no evil in the valley. How can he say that? How can, how can any of us say that? And David says, it's because you are with me. Because God is with me. I will fear no evil. And this is, this is wonderful. Um, even in the valley, David invites us. Now, shepherds, they would use their staffs. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. They would use their staffs to guide, to walk, and to keep the sheep together as they, they moved from place to place. And they would have a rod that they wore on their belt, and they would pull it out in case a raging animal came, and they had to defend the sheep. Because you know this from biology class. Like, sheep don't have razor-sharp teeth and talons and fangs. They don't. They, they need a shepherd who can pull out the rod and step in and protect them, and engage the enemy, and, and to, to protect, and maybe even to pull out the rod and to discipline the sheep, to hold them close, to say, I want to protect you, and I need you with me. I need you close to me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. This is a protective shepherd, and, and this is just powerful for us, to, to look at the Lord as a shepherd who is personal, who provides, 
but he also protects. He's a protective shepherd. But David gives us more reasons to place our trust in the Lord. He also says we can place our trust in the Lord because he is a friend. Look with me at verse 5, where David says to the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this may be the verse that was perhaps the most perplexing for you as we read it. You're wondering, what is, what is this about? Or maybe for you, you're like, that resonated with me. That, that sounded exactly like my Thanksgiving meal. I know exactly what he's talking about. Eating a meal in the presence of my enemies with the mean and angry relatives that are nearby. You know, not, not just the in-laws, but the outlaws. You know, they're around me. And eating a meal in the presence of my enemies. What, what does this mean? What does this mean? We'll come to that in a second. Um, David is inviting us to see the Lord as a host, as a dinner host. Um, And many of you have had experiences recently where you've been the dinner host. You know what it's like, all the time that is required, all the preparation, all that has to be done to get the food ready, to be a caring and loving host and to make sure everyone's happy and to eat together. It's a lot of work. And David is saying the Lord is like a dinner host. You know, he fills David's cup to the brim. He sets this table before him. But it's more than that. Much like in our culture, in ancient Israel, to eat with someone, to do a meal together, was a, a, an expression of deep friendship. You, you, you were close to this person when you ate with them. And, and it's not just that the Lord is a host, but he's a friend. And we can place our trust in him as a friend. So what about this reference to preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. What is David talking about here? And the exact meaning of this phrase is debated. You know, David doesn't mention what the specific enemies are. He doesn't say what he's fighting or who is against him, but he says he's eating a meal in the presence of them. And this meal, it, it, it's some sort of Thanksgiving banquet. David has had some kind of victory over his enemies. He's able to eat a Thanksgiving meal and to be thankful for it, and yet there's still enemies who are present. And David is inviting each of us to place our trust in the Lord because he is a victorious friend. God brings victory in our lives, and he's a victorious friend we can trust. Now, at the same time, God does not always remove the enemies. David has encountered some level of victory, some experience of victory, but the enemies are still there. They're still before him. And for for some of you, Thanksgiving dinner maybe was a wonderful night. It was a wonderful day to be thankful for how the Lord has blessed you. And it's been a wonderful year and a great season. And if that is where you're at this morning, take a a second just to be thankful and to sit with that and be thankful for the Lord's blessing on you. And that's just a wonderful place to be. However, a lot of us, or at some point in our life, most of us will walk through a valley of shadow and darkness and Thanksgiving is hard to eat the meal is hard, and, and you, you feel like your enemy is actually present at the table. For me, I had an empty seat at my table. It was my father's death, and I'm sitting there, and death is staring me in the face. And yes, death has lost some of its sting because of the gospel. Amen. It's wonderful, but it's still hard and difficult, and the enemy is in my face. I don't know what your enemy is. Maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's just the pain and the hardship of suffering in this world, but we oftentimes we go through life and we may eat a meal where the enemy feels close. And even if we've experienced victory, the enemy may still be close. In this, this earlier image of the Lord as a shepherd, it, it conveys a lot of intimacy, of closeness, of tenderness. The Lord is a shepherd. He walks with his people. But this second image of the Lord as a host, as a friend, 
it's, it's actually just as intimate, maybe even more, to see the Lord as a dinner host. Because in, in the ancient world, when you ate a meal with someone, you were expressing a deep sense of commitment to the person. You're saying, I'm in community with you, and I'm going to remain in relationship with you. To say, I'm going to remain loyal to you and committed to you even after we finish this meal. You know, you don't dine and dash from these kind of meals in ancient Israel. You stay committed to them. It, it was an expression of community and loyalty to eat a meal with someone. And uh, this, this image is the Lord as a victorious friend and also as an intimate friend. It, it's incredibly intimate. Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner, he says it this way. He says, to be God's guest is more than an acquaintance invited for a day. It is to live with him. It is to live with him. The Lord is a victorious friend, and he's also an intimate, intimate friend. And the hardship and the pain that we experience in life, the brokenness, the valleys, shadow and death, they're opportunities for us to engage God in new ways, in deeper ways. You know, the pain often drives us away from God, but it's a, it's a moment for us to turn to him. God is inviting us to go deeper. And as my father has died, I've been driven to God. As I'm, I've been preparing this message, I've been driven to God and to go to him as my friend and say, I need to know you more because the pain that I'm experiencing right now, it's, it's too much for me. I can't, I can't handle it. God, I need you to step into this with me. And, and do you know how you become an intimate friend with someone? It's not just from shared interests, but it's from doing life together. It's about going through hard things together, right? My, my wife and I are much closer and intimate friends because of the suffering and the hardship that we've experienced. That's how we develop intimate relationships with someone, intimate friendships. We go through the valleys together. And this is an opportunity, wherever you're at, to grow into an intimate, deeper relationship with the Lord. And I share this from the point of view of a fellow traveler. Like, I haven't arrived. I'm struggling every day. It's really painful to sit with this, knowing my, my father's memorial services next weekend, and he's gone. He, he's gone. It's hard. And I, I work here at our church. I'm surrounded by Christians all day, every day. And I, I'm in seminary, and I'm surrounded by Christians. And it's hard, and it's hard for you to, to walk through the valley and to try to cultivate an intimate friendship with God. It's, it's really difficult. And, and what does this mean for us today? You know, first, I think it's important to acknowledge God is a victorious friend. He will bring victory but he doesn't always remove our enemies in the present time. Oftentimes, our enemies are still in our midst as we go through life and try to walk with God. We don't always just get health and wealth. There's a lot of suffering and pain. And secondly, to develop an intimate friendship with the Lord, it takes time. And to walk through valleys together with the Lord, it develops intimacy. These are opportunities where the Lord is helping you and me be shaped and molded to be soldiers that will fight against the darkness, that will follow our shepherd into the valley and walk with him step by step to push the darkness back. And that takes time, though. It's hard. But to walk with him and to cultivate an intimate friendship, that is what David is inviting us to this morning. And look with me at verse 6. This is the closing line of the psalm. And here we find David encouraging us to place our trust in the Lord, not just because he's a victorious friend or an intimate friend, but also because the Lord is an eternal friend. David makes this strong affirmation. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
This is a journey that moves through the green, grassy meadows and the waters of rest to the valley where there's shadow and darkness. And it ultimately, this pilgrimage ends in the house of the Lord, in the intimate presence of God. This is, this is a statement about going home to be in the presence of our eternal friend, to be with him. And David writes, goodness and love will follow us. This phrase, follow us, it's a Hebrew word that's actually really strong. It, it means to pursue, to overtake, to come after. God's love will pursue you. It's, it's love that's uh, going to come after you. And this word translated love, it's, it's actually a really important Hebrew word in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word hesed, and it means steadfast love. It's often translated as mercy or steadfast love or covenant faithfulness. This is God's commitment love to you to say, I'm going to pursue you. This is not just reliable love. It's relentless love. It will follow you, actually. Surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life. And, and where do we see this more clearly? We see, it, we see it in the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And right before this, Jesus has said that the enemy, the thief, the devil, he will, he will come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come as the good shepherd that you may have life and have it to the full, to have the abundant life, resurrection life, ultimately. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for, for the sheep. He, he understood that his mission was not just to be a caring, kind, nice man to people, although he was, but he understood his mission as a good shepherd to also involve him laying down his life for the sheep. He ultimately came with the mission, with the cross that he was heading towards, where he would die on the cross for you and for me in our place the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep so that we may have life. Jesus is the good shepherd who came and died a sacrificial substitutionary death for you and for me in your place and mine so that we can be right with God, so that we can have a way to become in personal relationship with God. Jesus makes that happen. He's the good shepherd. He took it upon himself to reconcile the world to him and to reconcile all things to himself. He brings abundant life. And this is a shepherd that we can trust. This is a friend that we can place our trust in. And we all stand in the valley of the shadow of death. On, on a spiritual level, we all are spiritually dead until God brings spiritual life to us. And also, all of us will face physical death at some point. It is a sad, harsh reality that we will face physical death at some point. And when someone dies, you know, we, you and me, we're left behind. They, they go ahead of us. We can't go to those places. We're still alive. But there's, there's only one person who can go with you to the point of death and then go beyond. And it's Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. But he did not just, just lay down his life, but God raised him from the dead in a resurrected new life. And that life is available to each of you, to us. And he offers a message of hope that brings life here and now, and will continue on for an eternity. He can walk with you as a shepherd to the point of death, of your death and of others, and to then walk with you beyond that and to offer an eternal hope. He's an eternal friend 
It's who we have in Jesus. And this morning, I want to invite you to trust the Lord with your whole person, to trust him with all that you have. You know, it's in in Jesus and none other where we can have that abundant life, resurrection life, because of the good shepherd. And this, this is where we find a love and a life that overcomes even death itself. An eternal life that starts now and will continue for an eternity. This morning, I want to invite you to, to trust in the Lord as a shepherd who provides, he protects, he's personal, and also as a friend who is intimate and victorious and is eternal. And as we close, I want to invite you all to read Psalm 23 out loud with me. The text will be on the screen. You guys can follow along. Uh, so I'm not just reading. We're all reading. Um, so let's, let's close by praying this as a psalm of trust. To say, God, I trust you as my shepherd and friend. I want to trust you more. So let's, let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they come from. You prepare a table before me, In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And we come to you with such thankfulness. We're overwhelmed with thankfulness for what you have done in order to bring us into relationship with you for how you've loved us. And I pray this morning that you would draw us into a deep and intimate abiding friendship with you. Strengthen us as we walk through the valleys and empower us through your spirit so that we can walk more closely with you. We all pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.